Hello and welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. My name is Svara Ogur. And I'm Thomas Simonsen Balmbra. And today we are discussing a French movie called Sombre from 1998. It's directed by Philippe Grandrieux, starring Marc Barbet as Sean, a demented person to say the least, and Alina Lovelson as Claire, although I don't think I ever heard her name in the movie. They did mention it. Yeah. Oh, did mention it. Yeah. Mm. I was distracted by other things going on in this movie. Mm. Uh, and uh, Gerardine Volat as Christine. Yeah, she's the sister of Claire. She's the sister. So what's this film about, Svara? Well, it's about a road trip with a serial killer, barking commands, surrounded by beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it kind of follows uh, Sean as he drives around France. Yeah, he's following Tour de France in his car, picking up sex workers and uh, strangling them in various ways. It very much encapsulates what kind of movie we usually talk about, which is harsh and unrelenting. And this is both extremely harsh and extremely <laughs> unrelenting. I don't know if you have to say anything more about the plot, really. it's Well, the plot is quite simple. I mean, it does have a clear narrative, but there's not so many plot elements. Um, yeah, basically Claire and Christine decide to follow this Sean on his road trip. Yeah, Claire kind of uh, meets this serial killer and kind of gets a bit fascinated, interested. Yeah. And why? I have no idea. <laughs> and he seems perplexed as to her reaction. And, and there's, there's some interactions back and forth. Um. Seems to be something he doesn't quite understand about her, yeah. But that's the plot. And um, we can talk a little bit about the context of this movie. Yeah, so this film is one of the initial French new extremism films, which is a handful of French filmmakers from the late 90s to maybe 2010 make a series of really intense and interesting films, quite extreme in many ways. Of course, France isn't unique in this period in making extreme films, but it's kind of striking that so many of the art house films from that era are very intense some of them more towards genre, like Martyr and Bois Others are more strictly art house films, like This, Sombra or Irreversible. Yeah. There's quite a big array of different types of films, and this is one of the initial films that... Uh, initial batch of extreme French cinema. Yeah. New extremists. Mm. New extremist movies. Um, yeah. And this filmmaker, Grandrieu, he... Um, done a lot of different type of stuff, art installations. Well, he's quite interested in film as a medium outside just uh, cinema. Yeah, I don't find that hard to believe. One of my initial thoughts watching this movie was um, a lot of the scenes feel like they could be right at home in an art gallery. They feel very decontextualized almost. There's a lot of focus on just framing and going beyond regular cinematography. Well, it's interesting because he's actually the cinematographer himself and he has said, there's a quote here, I could not imagine even with the greatest cameraman in the world with whom I get on very well, it's the look, it's the vision, how I look at you here and now, I cannot describe anyone. It's really a question of otherness. It's the limit. He can't really imagine using another DOP because it's such a direct part of his filmmaking. 
Yeah, I, I sort of understand what he's talking about, which I think would be more poignant if I didn't feel like it looked quite bad at times. Well, this is interesting because as the title suggests, it's a quite dark movie and a lot of it's underexposed. Even daylight scenes tend to be underexposed. Absolute. You know, it looks so dark and so somber. Like the light can't touch even the brightest scenes and it's really, it creates a mood. Yeah. It creates an atmosphere that is very oppressive. It's Com- quite troubling and poetic, I would say, and he's obviously very interested in light as an element, as a visual... Uh, oh yeah, definitely. And it seems like he he's more interested in the absence of light, almost. There are so hmm. many dark scenes in this movie, so yeah. many dark... Uh, well, the themes are dark too. There's a lot of darkness in this movie. And a lot of the scenes are also edited quite unclearly. Like You can't really place yourself in the room yeah the framing is so close up and it's mm. very the, sh- the shaky camera yeah it's Harsh often cuts. blurred yeah. it's out mm. of focus and sometimes you're not quite sure what's going on which is why i talked about how or how i mentioned that it would feel at home in an art gallery because it sort of looks like one of those video installations you have or like weird shit that's uh, filmed in a way to decontextualize it just well, show the shapes and the and the at the same time, I, I'm much more happy to watch this in a cinema than an art gallery. Absolutely. A, a feature film. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I don't think it would have worked as an art installation the entire thing at all. But there are passages in it yeah. that I think... Well, they're quite associative and fleeting. And he, he kind of... Um, he trains your eyes a bit and forces you to use them differently than you would in a usual film because you're looking for un- understanding the scenes in a much... A stronger way than you would in a normal film. Like, yeah, uh, he does. He doesn't let you get your bearings. Mm. Uh, he will often just throw a scene in and you can't really see what's going on and you have to pay attention. Mm. And I found it a bit tedious, honestly, mm. throughout the movie. Like, I could sort of understand what he was going for and especially with the theme of this serial killer, which mm. is incredibly detached, a cold person. Mm. I don't think he smiles once during the entire no. movie. No, no, no. He doesn't have any charming mm. lines, mm. which is... Uh, well, he doesn't talk much. There's not much dialogue. Talk much. There's not much dialogue, but there is some dialogue, and most of it is the female yeah. characters, right. which are quite good. Mm. Uh, I think the some of the best scenes in the movie are the interaction between the female characters. Yeah. But uh, going back to the main character, he just he's incredibly cold, incredibly detached, and that sort of echoes in the cinematography of this movie. Well, it's interesting because the film doesn't really seek to uh, explore his psyche so much. He's more of an archetype. And, um, oh, yeah, uh, and it, it doesn't seem like it's exploring <clears throat> his psyche as much as it's showing it in a sort of a voyeuristic light, I think. You really feel like you are looking at something you probably shouldn't be looking at. Um, well, it's also interesting, I think, because um, one of the few things you learn about him is that he is a puppeteer. The second scene in the film is, is there's a lot of uh, children's faces screaming in darkness. It's kind ab- of absolutely horrible. It's a jump scare, basically. It was to me. <laughs> I was, I was just, uh, I was just shocked because it starts with a sort of a shining esque intro. Yeah, it's just driving, the car driving. Yeah. Except the scene is so underexposed; mm. it looks dark in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then this this scene with the screaming children, yeah, I was like, yeah. ah, God, damn it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the sound turned way up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of low sound at first. Yeah, yeah and uh, the kids but are kind of gleefully screaming and, you know, obviously looking at some kind of show, but you, you can't really tell because you, you don't see the other side of that until later when no. you see he does another one. And then he 
controls like a, a wolf puppet. Yeah. And you only glimpse it a little bit. And later on, you see like a wolf costume. And I feel like that's supposed and... to be sort of symbolic. Uh, and it, it harkens to, or it, it reminds me of a rather bad horror movie I watched called Creep. If you ever saw <laughs> I haven't that, seen that, it's one. so bad. But it's sort of entertaining. And mm. the main character, he dresses up as a wolf huh. called Mr. Peach Fuss. Okay. <laughs> and it sort of reminded me of that. He's also like a killer. <laughs> and it's sort of their dark psyche or whatever. I, I found it a bit... Uh, well, the wolf was interesting. I mean, it has like fairy tale connotations. Yeah. And um, you could think of uh, like the wolf, wolf man uh, as, a, as a, a werewolf, like this kind of double-sided inhuman element to, um, well, a, a personality. Of, yeah, it's a uh, sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, analogy. It could be, kind of but, but... I mean, although he's not really a very likable person outside of the costume, and you don't really see him wearing it. And no, he's only, just a Mr. Hyde, uh, like, uh, psychologically. And only disjointedly do you see this wolf puppet. You don't actually see him controlling it directly. You see him doing something, yeah. and then you see the wolf puppet, but it's very disconnected in a way, um, yeah, but the, I, I you know like the children in the beginning, they're saying like, uh, "Look out, he's behind you," and yeah. he's in the forest and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's some nice foreshadowing, yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me think that the puppet show he's doing is some kind of Punch and Judy type. Yeah, it does some, seem like uh, the sort of traditional uh, old timey, almost medieval uh, Punch mm. and Judy uh, thing. And I find it funny that he's into that sort of thing because I couldn't see him being interested in anything artistic at all. He, he seems. Just incredibly uncompassionate. Well, he's blank-faced. He's so uh, blank-faced. But he does have these rituals, it seems, because what he does, a lot of the time, he's picking up uh, prostitutes or sex workers. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of his victims are. I would have thought, out of convenience, it's the, probably the easiest target. Probably a lot of sex um, workers uh, training the Tour de France with all the yeah. you know foreign journalists and uh, foreigners coming to watch and uh, just a lot of uh, transient people passing through that aren't living there. But he seems to have a ritual where he's looking at them and specifically their genitals yeah. before he kills them. And he doesn't really snap violently. He just closes in yeah. and... Strangles them, and these scenes yeah, are sort of like a snake would uh, strangle a victim. Yeah, and it, these scenes are disorientating, and you can't really see very clearly what's going on, but you can hear her kind of strangling noises a little bit, and then yeah. you see the dead bodies later on. Um, and sometimes they don't die; they sort mm. of get out of his chokehold and leave. And uh, the whole movie is just a series of uh, sexual assaults, basically. Well, it starts that way anyway, and then this clear character no, I comes think in. There's Sexual assaults all the way to the end. That's right. But when the Claire character comes in, there starts a new dynamic. Yeah, that is the one change in dynamic mm. in the entire movie, really. Because you have this scene where he's with two prostitutes and he's strangling one of them in the car while the other's outside. Yeah. And then Claire shows up and sees what he's doing and opens the door and is shocked. Yeah. And at that point, she runs away. And I think that scene sort of bothered me a bit mm. because as I was talking about, this guy is so unlikable and mm. I just don't see the appeal. He keeps getting the interest of these beautiful women. And I don't, the movie doesn't explore that at all. He's well, just, oh, well, he's, um, he's well, so mostly, handsome. Well, well, I don't know if it says he's so handsome. I mean, yeah, they're mostly yeah, I prostitutes. Think, uh, Christine huh? specifically says that oh, yeah, in the scene, yeah, which is true. stupid because he's yeah. absolutely not handsome. And yeah, the, the, the sister says that, yeah. But, but most of them, most of the women are prostitutes. 
And well, there's one hitchhiker, which he also kills. Yeah, uh, but I'm specifically referring yeah. to Claire and Christine. Yeah. I just, I find that dynamic very strange that he'd find mm. these two young women and just they'd trail him for absolutely no reason mm. because he is just so unlikable. Mm. He doesn't, like I said, he doesn't smile once throughout mm. the movie and it bothered me because you have to show some, well, you don't have to do anything, mm. but you should probably <laughs> show some reason for it because mm. otherwise it feels sort of forced. Like it's, being put there because the narrative needs it, not because it would fit. Although I would say there's a tendency in film in general, and perhaps specifically in French films, to have unattractive older guys with really beautiful young women yeah, uh, the sort that of, just magically are interested in them. Yeah, it's <laughs> the sort of Serge Gainsborough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite unappealing. Yeah. I'm not sure. There's, a, That's a there's thing, an maybe. undercurrent of some, some themes in French uh, movie and movies in French art that's... Uh, Mm. a bit problematic honestly yeah I'd say so and to expand further on that point I think the movie is quite problematic well it's made a lot of people very angry oh yeah how so (laughs) well it's just reactions to the harsh and unrelenting scenes throughout the movie or but also like just the violence against women and the kind of stance it takes I think a lot of people find it quite problematic yeah Yeah, the the reason I find it problematic is because it shows so many sexual assaults on these beautiful sex workers and beautiful women. Uh, and it's sort of sexy. You know, it's trying to be sort of uh, dark and sexy and showing like doesn't really problematize him being a serial killer at all, almost. And it feels very voyeuristic and like it's meant to uh, titillate. And I just I felt oh, really? quite off put by it. I'm a bit surprised because I didn't really find it titillating at all. And, no, um, I didn't find it titillating. And but I found it wasn't really the... sensual, I thought. it was. I mean, often the light is quite harsh. As you say, the women are quite beautiful. But I don't find cinematically that it's trying to create a, like a sensual. No, I don't mean it in a, like a sensual, like a beautiful, more like a, a porn like it's uh, it's very harsh it's very mm. like the the lighting is extremely almost uh, not there at all mm. but it's like the close ups and the just the focus mm. on this mm. violence against the women mm. without ever really putting it into a larger context it feels uh, yeah it feels problematic to me yeah. i i didn't really vibe with that at all uh, at the same time it's not really gratuitous you don't really see so much direct violence say the scenes are much more they imply a lot more than they show as such I mean, in many ways, it's an ugly movie. Like uh, It's an ugly movie, but w- what I felt uh, problematic towards the end was that mm. I felt like most of it was incredibly uh, meaningless, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It felt just like you're just showing what this incredibly psychotic, uh, cold bastard of a man, what he's doing to this woman, mm. and there's just no poignancy to it almost at all. To me, anyway, well, I f- he I felt doesn't this... moralize at all, and he doesn't really. No, it doesn't moralize to it. the to the point of it being. Mm. It stood out to me in a negative way that it doesn't mm. problematize at all, like the way Claire is so drawn to him, mm. and the way mm. he's sort of almost brought back into the fold after trying to strangle uh, Christine, mm-hmm. and she's like caring and interested in him, and it felt. Really, well, she's a, she's kind of a flirty person, yeah. and uh, at first, yeah, Christine he seems is quite, yeah, Christine, the sister. Claire and is very, she's a virgin and yeah, she's uh, introverted, yeah. Actually, that element because I think it's Christine at point, one point says that she's a virgin, and I thought that was a bit unnecessary yeah. and 
why would that be a point for the film? I felt, I felt most of the movie was quite unnecessary, honestly. Well, I mean, like the feeling that it's pointless, to me that kind of resonates with the type of project it is. I mean, you're supposed to feel bad. You're supposed to feel... There's something nihilistic about these kinds of projects, I feel like. Reality is often quite unpleasant and unsettling, and you don't always have a clear reason. No, but um, I, I feel like and if, if the reason is to make you feel horrible, hmm. you know, if, if the reason is to make you feel bad, then I think you could do that in a better way. Like, you could delve more into the problematic aspects hmm. of it without ruining the horrible vibe of the movie. Hmm. You could do it in a more... <laughs> It's hard to say tasteful when we're talking about extreme cinema. Mm -hmm. But I think you could, I don't know, contextualize it in a different way or well, it do something. It doesn't strive to be tasteful. And myself, at least, I feel that um, it's a lot less speculative than a lot of entertainment, which shows violence and uh, shows tendencies of sexual violence in a lighter, funnier and easier way. At least this makes it problematic and makes it unpleasant as it generally is. I think it forces us to watch... Honestly, it is a very sort of male viewpoint, well, very male true. gaze. And yep. it forces you to watch this sort of... I don't know, I imagine idealized version of a serial killer's exploits without... Well, how is it idealized, though? It's idealized because he never faces any consequences for what he does. Well, that's true. I feel like if he did, then the film would moralize in a way, and it doesn't want to do that, is my... Uh... No, I don't think you'd have to show any moralizing. You'd just have to show something. It doesn't show anything. You know, it just shows violence against women. Hmm. Uh, and it does it in a way that's interesting. Like, uh, at times, and at times it's extremely tedious. Hmm. Sometimes I was just, oh, God, can't you just show what's going on? Because hmm. at some point, he sort of outstays his welcome with those incredibly erratic and uh, blurry and dark shots and framing that it just becomes tedious. Well, it's not an entertainment film, that's for sure. No, it's not an entertainment movie. It didn't bring out any thoughts in me. Okay. Well, I had a slightly different experience. And uh, one of the more interesting scenes for me is um, Claire has escaped him for a little bit and she's on a dance floor yeah. and she manages to attract this guy, it's kind a, of an airhead. It's incredibly... Uh, uh, and he yeah. wants to party. He's a yuppie. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's singing Tutti Frutti by yeah, Little Richard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, he's um, like the uh, complete opposite of Sean. Yeah, very much. He's kind of charming, but also kind of a douche. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, she gets him interested and she's trying to tell him that she's in danger. But he doesn't really pick up on that. No. He just wants to party. He so, just wants to fuck. Yeah. So... She introduces Sean into the thing as well. And then he kind of says, uh, all right, do you want a party? And he yeah. brings his friend and they go to his apartment. They go to the most awkward after yeah. party ever. And uh, this scene is quite interesting. That They play Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi is Dead. Yeah. And that song starts with like an, a noise barrage <laughs> yeah. and develops into something more poppy. It's a great song. Yeah, really cool. But and, I, I uh, was thinking, those are not the kind of people to listen to Bauhaus. <laughs> well, I would agree. That's not a very realistic... <laughs> that, that sort uh, of put me off it, but, but it, it suits the scene. Yeah. It does. But, yeah. um, and it, it builds up with a tension 
that's quite strong and you're, quite, you're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And it kind of doesn't for a while and then it does. The, the yuppie guy, he's trying to get it on with Claire yeah. and then Sean gets involved and there's kind of like a scuffle going on yeah. and then the two guys beat up Sean. Yeah, both of the guys try to make out with uh, yeah. Claire and yeah. they're grabbing her and yeah, it's yeah. all very... And they're unpleasant as well, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> But that scene impressed me quite a lot, actually, that scene at the after party, mm. because it, it was filmed in a way that a lot of after parties feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, it, re- it really felt like an after party. And mm. Uh, mm. sometimes shit happens and you just don't know what the reason is for it. And suddenly a situation has arisen that yeah. wasn't there before. And it's uh, suddenly unpleasant for yeah, everyone. Yeah, uh, unpleasant and unsafe and kind and, of weird. And another thing that uh, impressed me was that in an American, like, Hollywood movie about a serial killer... Yeah. He would have killed those two guys. Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> but in this movie, he doesn't. Yeah, he's he just, a loser in a yeah, way. He's yeah. a loser. He doesn't really have power over others, except yeah. the very vulnerable ones. Yeah, so I thought that was a really good scene in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, and uh, it leads to... She she runs off and he's beaten up. She meets up with him later on and he's quite beaten up. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Uh, and as you say, strangely, she's still kind of uh, drawn to him. Yeah. But Even then she gets um, then she gets picked up by a female driver, and yeah. they have a conversation. Did we talk about the fact that he tried to rape her sister? I, I think it's important to the mm. scene of her sort of forgiving him because yeah. he yeah. has tried to rape her sister. Yeah. Well, he, as I read it, he actually did rape her. Yeah. yeah. Although it doesn't show explicitly, but he doesn't kill her sister. Well, it's unclear. It no. was a sexual assault, and mm. he tried to strangle her. Yes. They were by a lake and swimming in their different parts. And Christine, the kind of flirty sister, trying to... Is it's kind of a nice yeah. summary scene, except, yeah. you know, it's underexposed and weirdly filmed. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> a uh, lot of it seems like home footage in a way, found by, like, if you found some serial killer's home footage. Mm. A lot of it feels like that. And uh, while Claire is kind of away, then Sean assaults Christine. Yeah. And uh, then Claire she returns and, and finds yeah. her and is hysterical yeah. and... Um, Basically sends Christine off home. Yes. So she... Does she forgive him? Does she really? I think... Yeah. It honestly seems that way. Mm. With the way they're they're embracing and stuff. Mm. Either she's forgiving him or she's sort of letting herself be drawn into that darkness he Mm. has. And I think she finds... Well, she's supposed to find that appealing anyway. Well, because Sean seems... um, Initially, he doesn't really victimize Claire at all. He seems kind of perplexed a bit or kind of, he doesn't, he's not drawn to her as, as he is the prostitute. Yeah, she or, doesn't or, fit into the, yeah. the the regular categories of victims yeah, that yeah. he usually picks. Um, mm. Actually, I had a thought now, because I said before that, I thought like the um, calling her out as a virgin was a strange thing. But if you think of it in terms of fairy tales yeah. and him as a wolf and a virgin, it, it has some connotations like that as a, as an archetype more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a little bit... I still think the analogy or the, the symbolism of that is sort of... It's like an old world, uh, old ideas yeah. uh, that doesn't that don't really resonate with me much. <laughs> no, it doesn't resonate with me either. I, I find it a bit uh, shallow or no, not even shallow, just a bit uh, like, was that the best you could do? Symbolism-wise? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, I wasn't impressed by it anyway. Anyway, so so um, later on when uh, she's picked up by this female driver, mm. uh, she has a conversation with her and then kind of the Stockholm Syndrome kicks in. Yeah. And that's a really good dialogue scene. And she's presenting Jean as her husband. 
and talks about yeah sometimes he's violent sometimes yeah, he's lying. not um, uh, that's probably the best scene in the movie yeah I think. and it's really interesting and that made me think about how you kind of defend yourselves by creating narratives yeah. to make yourself less vulnerable in a way in terms of being uh, victimized. Yeah, she knows it's wrong. She knows she's being victimized and she's trying to spin it or not even spin it, just outright lie about it to another person to make it seem better. And she's framing herself in a better light almost. Yeah, but I don't look upon it with judgmental eyes in a sense. It feels more like as a victim she's protecting herself we talk about these different terms being a, a survivor versus a victim. It's yeah. kind of um, a mechanism to defend yourself against being identified as a role which is difficult to inhabit. Yeah. When you suddenly see yourself as the victim, mm. then your world comes crashing down. Yeah. Right? It happens a lot in abusive relationships. Mm. Mm. Um, that felt very natural, that scene. Yeah. That dialogue was very good uh, with the woman talking about her life and mm. uh, her husband. Yeah, I like that. Then what happens next? He has one more rape scene out in the uh, woods. Yeah. Just a random woman. Yeah. Uh, it's the rapes quite, never end in this yeah, movie. It's quite a disturbing scene. And uh, someone suggested to me that this was the first time he actually penetrated one of his victims. I'm not yeah. sure about that. It's very unclear whether he does or not in the other scenes. But yeah, he definitely it, has uh, sex at this point. And there's also a sense of a jumbled chronology sometimes yeah. because it jumps back to, I think, his childhood where he's blindfolded and Yeah, you around. see these images. Uh, and later he's blindfolding mm, a woman. Yeah. I thought that was maybe some sort of throwback mm. to that or maybe that has well, it has some an sort of... associative quality, so it mixes in a few of these. Yeah, it fits like yeah. thematically. I'd, I'm not sure if, it's, if it has any value apart from the aesthetic. Throwback. Well, he does use children a bit here and there as, as part of the audience screaming and... Uh, yeah. Those images of himself, I suppose. Uh, and he doesn't really contextualize it as a, him having experienced trauma necessarily. No. But more maybe as this type of uh, being a blind child, not having a developed psychology. I felt like you were supposed to read something into that, but I'm not sure there was any intent there. But one thing I noticed was you can draw some analogies to the puppet thing, him being mm. a puppeteer. Mm. He he often uh, gives he, he barks a lot of commands as these women he's mm. assaulting. He's mm. like, "Do this, do that, spread your legs, uh, yeah, 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 take off that," and he's very aggressive. Yeah, uh, and he's sort of he's controlling Commanding, these yeah. women like puppets almost. That's also interesting because he puts his fingers into the mouths and stuff, and yeah. kind of similar as you put your hand into a puppet. Yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. Uh, so there, there's some interesting things <laughs> there. Mm. And at some point, Claire discovers his wolf costume. Yeah, uh, which we never see him use, but she puts it on. Yeah, this is earlier in their yeah. sort of road trip where when Christine is still there. Yeah, uh, yeah he's Sean disturbed walks by her wearing the wolf. Yeah, Sean walks in on her wearing the costume, and mm. it's an awkward situation, basically. Yeah, he seems very put off by that. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it represents her attraction to the darkness within him, sort of. That's mm. how I read it, anyway. Mm. But yeah, the whole wolf thing—I'm not sure. What the value is in that, really? I guess it's trying to look at um, the humane, inhumane aspects of this kind of yeah, and I guess archetype. Could, yeah, and I, I guess you say. could sort of relate that to the almost inhumane way he shoots the women hmm. in the movie because they're 
Yeah, the filmmaker shoots. Because they're all, oftentimes the focus is on them sort of as objects, yeah. not as people. They're very objectified. Uh, and that also ties in with the close-ups of other objects in mm. this movie. And mm. it feels like women in this movie are objects. Mm. They're not people, which is why the scene with uh, the interaction between the two women felt very, just a breath of fresh air in this movie. Yeah, I mean, Claire and Christine are characters, yeah. even more so than Jean, I would say. Yeah, Sean is almost not a character. No. He's just a force of nature in this, well, this... A force of something. A force of evil. But anyway, so uh, he has this rape towards the end. And after that, there's uh, a camera panning along the road. Of Tour de France. Uh, of the audience of yeah. Tour de France. It doesn't look at the cyclists, but at the people watching. Yeah. And the, the camera is kind of low and the edge of the frame cuts the heads of a lot of the grown-ups. So yeah. it's more the level of the kids really watching. Yeah. And Which is... We can throw back to the, like, it starts with an audience scene, right? Mm. The Tour de France people are there, like, they're watching, they're an audience watching. And as you say, it focuses on the, like, the uh, children's height. Mm. So, yeah, I guess it thematically sort of ties it off. There's something about the fairy tale thing again, about, like, going into the woods. And, yeah. and somehow this is like going out of the woods. You're going out into the real world and uh, being observed again, though nothing's really changed. But you've left. Sometimes these scenes function in films as a way of letting the audience reflect upon the uh, traumatic scenes you've experienced. Yeah. Uh, to me, it felt sort of like symbolizing that he's just going to continue following Tour de France and well, doing this. Probably. It doesn't um, end his journey, in a sense. No. It feels like his journey continues. He keeps assaulting women. He mm. keeps killing women. <laughs> and yeah, that doesn't feel very satisfying. Mm, no, no. I mean, like, it's... As we said earlier, it's not so much a plot-driven film, but it has a sense of rhythm. And um, yeah. some people have compared him with Brackage, who's a American independent filmmaker artist. Yeah. Um, Brackage does a lot of um, painting on film strips, but he mm. also does some live-action stuff that's more associative and very interesting, very good, actually. Yeah. He's also made some unpleasant stuff that might be interesting to talk about. Yeah. But, um, some other uh, sort of... I don't think um, inspiration, but I think a lot of the scenes, especially the driving scenes at night, mm. feel very Lynchian. Yeah. There's uh, and also just the darkness mm. uh, in the main character and the mm. driving at night and the very. It feels Lynchian, but in a much more harsh way. Yeah, it's dirtier, uglier, it's and loveless. Uh, less entertaining. <laughs> yeah, <say>. absolutely <laughs> less entertaining. It's. Yeah. Uh, I, I found the movie quite ugly at times, but I realized that's intense. It's very harsh. It's very unrelenting. And it feels... Well, there's a sort of consistency to the movie. Absolutely. Or rather consistency to the character. Yeah. He doesn't change ever. He's just perplexed by this Claire coming into his life. Yeah, I don't know if I would recommend this to a lot of people. <laughs> you know, it's actually turned up on uh, a fair few lists of the best films of the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. And it certainly has a strong filmatic quality. It but does it's have not some, an entertainment film. It's uh, <laughs> It does have some strong qualities. Like, I understood mm. the intent of the, those tedious scenes, but at the same time, I didn't find it very interesting. Mm. But yeah, I, I would probably recommend it to somebody who's into more art house extremes sort of art house stuff. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the film we can talk a lot about. Yeah, you can talk about it. I mean, that's a good sign, right? Yeah. There's a lot of entertaining films that you can really, there's not much to say. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I really like discussing bad movies too. So yeah. <laughs> uh, 
It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good movie. It just means that it it does something and it doesn't always stick the landing. But yeah, so that's my general impression of the movie. I probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody except art house fans. Hmm. What do you think? I find it quite interesting and quite problematic. It doesn't surprise me that it's a film that angers a lot of people. I feel that's close to the intent. Conceptually, I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. I don't really find it tedious. No. But I do question a few of the tropes it plays around with, and I kind of maybe wish it might have been a more enjoyable experience to watch it if it had done something to delve deeper into these maybe fairytale tropes, yeah, I physical thought it, elements. If you had yeah. a more interesting or deeper dive into the symbolism, mm. I think that would help a lot. Mm. I think it would help if it had some sort of deep dive at all, uh, be- because the character is so sort of one-dimensional in in the sense that he he doesn't change throughout the movie. When you don't dive into his psyche and you don't dive into the symbolism and you don't dive into anything at all, there's really only a lot of sexual assaults, you know, and that's problematic. But uh, I can understand well, that that's sort of part of the part of the reason that it's. Well, it's what I like shock. about it is that it makes sexual violence problematic in a way that it often isn't in films. Yeah. It feels more genuine in a way. I can appreciate than, um, the sort of that the, the, the camera doesn't pan away. You know, you're stuck there mm. in these awful scenes, mm. which I imagine can be really problematic if you experience sexual assault. I would mm. definitely not recommend this movie to anybody who's experienced yeah, that. But Potentially it could be traumatized. <laughs> yeah, it, like I felt pretty traumatized watching it. But, uh, <laughs> but I do sort of appreciate that it lingers on the unpleasantness. Mm. Like that's, I feel like that's uh, the intent of the movie, show a lot of this unpleasantness in a very unapologetic way. Mm. So, uh, sort of. Do you have any unpleasant recommendations for our viewers? Yes, I do actually. I have a sort of pleasant, unpleasant recommendation. Nice. And it's a song. Okay. It's a song by Randy Newman of uh, Disney fame. What Uh, Disney fame is that? He's written a lot of songs for Disney, but I think you got a friend in me from Toy Story, among other ones. He's sort of known as a... He's very just sort of jovial and he writes piano tunes. He's sort of... He's, he's known for pretty lighthearted stuff, which is why this song is interesting. Okay, okay. It's from his 1973, I believe, album Little Criminals, which is a great album and very overlooked in his catalog, hmm. I think. It's well worth to check out, out in its entirety, actually. But there's a song on it called In Germany Before the War. It's pleasant sounding, but there's some dissonance musically, too. It's sort of a ballad. Okay. And it describes an elderly gentleman in a German town and he's looking at the river and it's quite minimal in the lyrics but there's sort of sense of unease over the entire thing and towards the end it's implied that he is killing little girls oh really (laughs) yeah but it's done in a very insinuating way well is it the sort of song that you might sit and enjoy but then when you explore closer you feel uneasy no, it's not really that. It's more like a song you want to listen to if you want to sort of think while you listen. Okay. It's for active listening. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't put this on in the background, I think. Even though musically it is quite tastefully done, there's yeah. some swelling strings and some, some beautiful arrangement. It's a very beautiful song and quite sad. You feel a sense of loneliness in this character. Ooh. Well, yeah, it's very unpleasant when you think about it. Like the first time you listen to it, you won't really feel that unpleasantness until you get to the relevant 
lyrical parts. Mm -hmm. But once you do, this is just one of the most unpleasant songs ever and a beautiful song. So, yeah, I recommend that. It sounds very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Germany Before the War by Randy Newman. The song is called In Germany Before the War. Yeah. Okay. Little Criminals is the album. That's an interesting title. Yeah. And he mentions Düsseldorf, which is the movie, uh, which is the place uh, he resides in, I believe. Um, and there's a famous serial killer from Düsseldorf called the Vampire of Düsseldorf, mm. which was a complete psycho. And he killed little girls, I think. I'm not sure if it's a reference to that, but it might be. Well, there's also this M by Fritz Lang. Yes, yes. Uh, with uh, Peter Lorre. Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, very uh, iconic uh, Peter yeah. Lorre. Kills these kids. Might be related to that in some way. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised anyway. But yeah, check that out. It's very unpleasant. And Well, um, so this isn't so much a recommendation per se. What I'm focusing on this time is something called unpleasant design, also known as hostile architecture. Unpleasant design. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I love hostile architecture. Well, I don't uh, love it, but it's very interesting. So, yeah, it's a way for controlling behavior. And it has some Most often in public spaces, right? Uh, in public spaces, typically in cities. And it has some positive elements, but it has some unpleasant undertones as well. Yeah. The most typical example is a bench that is quite uncomfortable to sit on. It's either curved or it has armrests in the way and a short um, back rest. Yeah. Uh, so homeless the, the, people can't spend well, the night on it. That's the idea. It's to keep skaters from skating or yeah. homeless people from leaning on it. Although the problem is, of course, that um, people who have disabilities or just very tired people also have a hard time resting. And uh, just, a, lot, a lot of the times they also switch out benches with, with what we call a leaning bar, yeah. which is the <laughs> most useless thing ever. Yeah, um, it's, it's, actually, it's actually just uh, insulting. Yeah. Here's your leaning bar, you piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> Rest on that. I don't have any disabilities, but I really... Those leaning bars do nothing. I was going to say, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't even affect people who are just tired or with disabilities. It affects everyone. Yeah. Those sort of benches are often just incredibly uncomfortable to sit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's interesting. The more you look for it, there the are like subtle it. elements of this all around. Like some, You might not think about it, but like, let's say you have a steel bench and it has all these very small holes. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that it'll be cold so that you won't want to sit there for very long. You'll find no comfort. And you also have these spikes, particularly on museums and older buildings, spikes yeah. over windowsills and on the roofs to yes. keep away pigeons. Yeah, exactly. I was um, going to mention that. It's, it's very apparent when you, when you know to look for it. Mm. Uh, and it looks, you know, sort of medieval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a moat with spikes, except it's on windowsills and stuff. And some people uh, argue that it's not really that useful because it has to be changed out now and again, so that's kind of expensive. Also, people have some tendency to throw trash on these areas and yeah. stuff. I mean, and it, it requires cleaning as well, and it's, it looks very hostile. It looks um, ugly, honestly. But then there are also some other interesting versions of this. Apparently... In the UK, there are some housing districts that use um, strong fluorescent pink light yeah. that um, kind of highlights blemishes in people's skin. So it's targeted <laughs> towards young people that they don't want hanging around yeah. because they look ugly. <laughs> That's sort of hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah. Look at how ugly you are, you should uh, be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they just don't want teens loitering. Yeah. This, you ugly teens, get uh, away. As I've understood it, it's... Um, in some shopping malls, they've used these mosquito boxes, which 
have like a really high pitched noise. Yeah, that, that only teenagers can hear. That's right. Yeah. To keep them away, it's so called, that only old people can hang around and yeah. have a nice time. It's, called, uh, it's like ultrasound or some infrasound or something. Yeah, and uh, there are examples of. Um, I think it's Seattle. It's one one of these American cities. There was a big case yeah. because there's this bridge where they put up bicycle stands. Right. Seems nice. Except the only reason they did it was to keep homeless people from sleeping there. Uh, and um, it was one of the few places where they could sleep, where there wouldn't be any rain falling yeah. on them. Uh, and I think that they would take away eventually because when people picked up on it, yeah. it was kind of disliked. But yeah, it's a form of exclusionary design which tells you that some people are welcome and some people are not. Another example is mm. uh, the use of certain uh, fluorescent lights in bathroom stalls, yeah. public bathroom stalls. To blue keep, lights. To, to keep junkies from shooting up. Yeah, because apparently in the blue light you can't really see your veins very well. Yeah, though apparently if you're an experienced junkie that doesn't really matter. You can sort of know where <laughs> to put that shot anyway. But it definitely feels very weird and uncomfortable to normal people. Yeah. It's this, this concept is interesting because it's kind of an intersection between design and literally structural oppression. Yeah. And psychology in a way. Absolutely. And it feels very hostile. and really It's like ha- an example of a society that you don't really want. Like, do you really want to live in a society where people are viewed as pests? Yeah, or some certain groups of people. Yeah, especially um, because it's exclusionary. As far as I understand, some buildings have been designed in a way that they they make an area where it would be uh, very um, typical for like a homeless person to sleep. And then they place a bunch of spikes or or rocky stones and stuff so that they just wouldn't be comfortable. Now, there's actually a quite fun YouTube video I found it's called the Fakis Rest. It's just Frenchmen going around finding all these really unpleasant design elements like benches or like windowsills. Yeah. And he's kind of a slim fellow and he managed to bend around and find <laughs> like more or less comfortable sleeping positions for all these places. <laughs> yeah, the Fakis Rest. And um, a Fakir is like a, a, yeah, it's a like type the, of Muslim the... that's taken a vow of poverty and worship. They're like iconically sitting on those, uh, like nail mats and yeah. stuff. And like, they've renounced earthly possessions. They live like an ascetic life. Yeah, and they kind of have these endurance principles. You're supposed to endure the pain or yeah, the difficulties. Feats of endurance. Feats of, yeah, they have these feats of endurance, which they're supposed to do. There's also a book, which I haven't read, called Unpleasant Design by Adam Rothstein. Not, I can't recommend it as I haven't read it, but it might be interesting if you... Uh, Sounds interesting. Yeah, where, where they look at different cities and all sort of... Mm. Stuff. I think it's articles by different people, but he's listed as the author. He just functions as a way to sweep society's problems under the rug and use loads of money on this. Yeah, where yeah. He could have used money for homeless shelters. Exactly. Or... It feels incredibly dystopic. So, like, I mean, instead of caring for these people, you're just trying to sweep them away, trying to tell them that they're not worth resting their tired backs, you know? Yeah. It's uh, incredibly just arrogant and... It, uh, it's uh, hostile and unfeeling. And classist and, yeah. So, yeah, we, we stop the homeless from sleeping and the skaters from skating. And that leads nicely into the next film we're going to watch. Yeah. It's uh, Kids by Larry Clark. Kids, with, so, an, with a C. <laughs> no, with an S, <laughs> kids. <laughs> so that's the film we'll be talking about next time. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, that's it for us then. So uh, until next time, just take care of yourself. Yes, please do.